Hi everyone, this is Raven and Campbell from Musicals, and we'd Hello. like to talk to you today about a nonprofit music education group that we are partnering with. Yep, we'd like to talk to you about Education Through Music. They partner with under-resourced schools to provide music as a core subject for all children. And they utilize music education as a catalyst to improve academic achievement, motivation for school, and self-confidence. Exactly. So they work with 52 different partner schools throughout New York City, um, and they work with them to institute sustainable music education programs by hiring qualified teachers, matching them with the school, and really equipping the teachers with the tools to succeed and be able to provide quality music education to all of the students attending that institution. So we think, you know, from this podcast, we think it's incredibly important to provide music education to all children, um, that everyone should have access to it to help, you know, really instill those lifelong passions that have been so influential for Campbell and I. So we believe that supporting this organization is the way you can support our podcast. Yep. And you can do so by going to give.etmonline.org slash boozicals. Again, that's give.etmonline.org slash boozicals. And yeah, you can really uh, help these kids if that's what you're into. Support the youths. Shut okay. up. That's, don't, don't, don't patronize me. Okay. Uh, I don't need you Enjoy the episode. <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> Welcome to Boozicals. This week is, um, we're in for a treat. Is treat the right word? I don't think so. Because <laughs> I had to, like, spend, like, $6 to rent this movie. Same. And, and when I, I went feel to rent like it, you owe me money, Raven. <laughs> when I went to rent it, um, I had the option to buy it for just $1 extra. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not owning this as a personal possession uh, okay. <laughs> permanently. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's just start off. What music have you been listening to this week, Raven? And then okay. we'll ride that train <laughs> into our graves. Um, okay, so this week, so I have, um, I made this like throwbacks playlist a little while ago, and that's like all I've been listening to this week. So it's like basically music from as early as like the mid 2000s and all the way back as far as the 60s. So it's everything from Rihanna, Usher, like all of that, all the way back to Temptations, The Supremes, Diana Ross. And then I got like some Shaka Khan, some Luther Vandross, like all of that, some Whitney Houston dropped in there too. Yeah. So um, I kind of just been listening to that playlist on shuffle for the entire week. And it's been one of the best weeks of my life. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I've been doing two things. One, I've been listening to a lot of Megan The Stallion this week. Because she's just objectively amazing. Two, I started listening to like my records again. Now that I have like on oh, nice. things, things are in their place in my new apartment. So I was like while cooking and stuff. So I was listening to Sheer Heart Attack album uh, of Queen a bunch of times because that was mm-hmm. like my favorite sing- Queen song on it. What other records were I? Was I a lot of Glenn Miller, some Vampire Weekend I have on vinyl, and okay. yeah. So just like you know, going through my records. Instead of, you know, just listening on, like, Spotify or, like, whatever streaming service. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Okay. Um, would so you like... musical. Yeah, would you like Would you like to tell everyone what you did to me? Also to myself, let's be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week, uh, once again, riding the train of 
we have to occasionally watch bad musicals to make the good ones, to appreciate the good ones. So this week we watched Cats, um, the 2019 film version. And uh, it was an experience. I'll, I'll say that. And the associated drink that we are drinking is called the Coco Meow. Um, it's random drink that I found on Pinterest, which is also another mistake that I probably will never be making again. Um, it is two shots of white rum, uh, half a cup of coconut water or pineapple juice, then a tablespoon of sugar, and a squeeze of lime juice. Now, I did coconut water. And Campbell, you did pineapple juice? Yes, and it's way too sweet. The next one I make will not have that sugar in it. Yeah, and mine is... um. It's okay. Like, it's a cocktail that I can physically stand to drink, but it's definitely not one that I would ever request or make again on my own. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any background that we need to go over for oh, yeah. this uh, yeah. musical? Definitely. Okay. So, Cats. This musical is kind of based off of, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber got this idea adapted from a book of poems by T.S. Eliot. Old Possum's okay. Book of Practical Cats. And like T.S. Eliot, if people don't know, is, you know, American British poet, publisher, playwright, literary critic, does a lot of yep. stuff, did a lot of stuff. And so this book is basically like the names of like different like cats and like the naming of cats, basically the char- the exact characters in the musical and like the songs and things like that are taken directly from this po- uh, book of poems, minus Grizabella. Grizabella uh, and okay. Memory it was added to the musical. By Andrew Lloyd Webber or specifically for the 2019 version? For, by uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, yeah. Okay. Um, so Cats is very well known. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, so I knew of Cats um, as a concept like before because one of my, my aunt loves cats so much she has seen almost every um like version of it yeah yeah adaptation yeah um and i will say i was a little sad to learn that it was um by andrew lord weber because i love him so so very much and i will say the music i was i was a fan of like the music i kind of like but the, the overall story um well, let's just let's just get into yeah. it. Let's and just so, talk about it. And then just like one more note about the musical. It is one of the top like longest running Broadway shows ever. Yeah. The first being Fan of the Opera, then Chicago, then The Lion King, and then it's Cats. Makes sense. Yeah, its opening date was October 7th, 1982. There have been around like 7500 performances. It's won, like, seven Tony Awards. It's, like, beat out Wicked and Les Mis. Oh, that kind of does surprise me. Yeah. Which makes me really appreciate Chicago even more. Because, like, the fan of the opera, that, like, the opening date for that was, like, 1988. But Chicago, mm-hmm. the 1996 revival, 1996. And it's, like, number two. So that, like, makes me feel good. I was able to find some good knowledge out of this mess. Nice. Yeah, so that's like the, you know, brief little history of what this is. Yeah. So, okay, so yeah, so we'll just get into the musical. So first scene, um, we open up on this alleyway that... We see the moon in the sky, the clouds. Yeah. 
cat in the clouds. <laughs> oh yeah, I liked that. <laughs> and we we pan down to this alleyway that basically ends up being like pretty much the primary set for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. First thing off the bat, people suck. You see this lady pull up in this car with like this like squirming bag in the back seat, very obviously a small animal. Yeah. Um, and she gets out of the car in this alleyway and just not even places it on the ground, not even drops on the ground, straight up like tosses it into the alleyway. Yeah. And you're just like, you are the worst human being. But anyway, getting that out of the way. Ugh. I will say like the music during this part, uh, like during this scene, I, f- I felt like it was very anxiety building. Yes, it felt very like Pennywise, It, Circus, Top Hat, yes. like Three Ring Circus, and I hated it. Uh, Did like, not enjoy it. Oh, God, like I, it just made me nervous. For like, and, and I, I feel like it kind of fits the whole abandoning the cat thing, but not necessarily, to me it doesn't fit the rest of the scene. Like the rest of the scene, like they're not, super hostile towards her um they actually accept her fairly quickly and kind of like start teaching her about like everything that's going yeah, on and stuff like cults that cults do and that I, raven that's true but <laughs> it's not underlying it was like oh they're from the music something's not right it's like oh they're being so nice to her it's like no something's wrong with them yes but uh, they're nice <laughs> they're nice people kind of they're not bit. people. They're cats. They're cats. Yes. Um, so then we get into the song, Jellicle Songs for Jellicle Cats. I hate it. Um, <laughs> I did not like the song at all. It's um, just very so, chanting. Very like, I don't know. It. This whole movie is demonic to me. <laughs> what? There's a lot of this movie and there's a lot of musical pieces during this movie that are very like frantic. And the way they're portrayed and the music and this is like the first one of those. Mm-hmm. And I the like there's um So like sacrificial. A big part of the song. Yeah, a big part of the song is like they're kind of just repeating jellical songs with jellical cats like over and over and over. And again, like it does have like a very chanting ceremonial ritualistic feel to it. And it's yeah. super creepy, which is only heightened by the fact that they are humanoid cats. Okay. The great segue, because I was like, how have we not talked? already about how they look (laughs) do you know what i think would have made worlds difference if they gave them cat noses yes why do they have human noses if it was just like yeah just give them like a cat nose or even like makeup for it not like you know kind of like prosthetic-y it could just be like just like black makeup or like pink makeup depending on the cat yeah, because they already have, like, the whiskers. But it's just, there's something just so jarring about seeing a clearly depicted cat form mm-hmm. on, in a humanoid shape. Yeah, and they had to go, with you know, a they, completely 100% human face. They, they had to, like, go to, like, cat school for this. Yeah. How to, like, walk around move and behave and, like, and yeah. move like cats. And I was like, I don't know what cats you've seen in your life, <laughs> but this ain't it. Which, like, there, there are certain parts, there are some parts where it's like, I do like the way that they move, yes. but it still is completely not, it completely goes against the humanoid form. You yes. know what I mean? It, yeah. it, like, like the, Pickling. to me, the way, yeah, the way they move is actually really cool if you ignore the fact that they are shaped like a human, you know? Mm-hmm. I do like, however, the, uh, I don't know if, I, I would assume it's some sort of animation of CGI, of the tails 
Um, yeah. I like how, like, their tails, like, that, to me, that is the most cat-like part of them, and that, like, their tails do kind of, like, flick and, like, move and stuff like that, the way Un- cats would. Until they, like, use it as a prop. And then I'm like, can you stop doing this? Then I don't I, like that. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Maybe, I don't parts. like it. it <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> Why'd you do this? parts where someone is using, where, like, a character will be using their tail as, like, a mic. In, yeah, like, no, a, I, kind of yeah, I know, way. that's... I had a pause. I took I took a walk outside <laughs> because like I already told Raven, uh, I, since I live by myself now, I don't wear a lot of clothes around here. I like close the blinds and stuff. I had to like it made me want to put in the effort to go put clothes on to go walk outside. I needed a break <laughs> just from that one part, Raven. It felt like I was watching something I shouldn't be. Yes. And I remember, like, when I made it about uh, 40 minutes into the movie, I was like, okay, I have, to, I didn't realize it was only 40 minutes in, so I was like, I have to almost be done. Like, it has to almost be over. And I looked down, I had an hour left, and I was like, I can't, I, like, halfway through, like, I made it, I made it exactly halfway through the movie, and I paused, and I was like, I, I need a mental break from this. Okay. I, yeah, okay, so. Back to the alleyway. Yeah. Another thing, so I think it, it gets better uh, as the movie goes on, but in this initial scene, the scale to me is really, really weird. The way, so the way that all the props, like the alleyway set up, it's still very much, even despite the fact that it's a movie, to me, the set still looks like a play set. Yeah. It, it, like the, the cars, it's, like it's that, not still very spaced much like enough. It's not it's spaced not enough spaced out. correctly. And then the scale is super weird. So like the cats look like too small compared to their environment like there's one part where they're like one of them is standing next to like presumably a standard sized bicycle and they are like like the the wheel of the bicycle the front wheel of the bicycle is like like a spoke morphing them yeah and it's just like i don't know what cats you've seen in your life but they should not be this small and like as the movie goes on it kind of gets a little better where like the scale gets somewhat more normal but it's like Again, cats does don't it get look more like normal, or do we just stop seeing? Do we just get used to it? Do we get used to it? Do we get desensitized? Do we see them just kind of in the same place? So it's like, oh, that's just what it is. That's fair. But anyway, the song. songs for Jellicle cats. So we see they're like describing us like what a Jellicle cat is, and just like one, most of the cats don't look like that. Nope. But it was, and so at this point. Never had any experience to this. I don't, I didn't know what Jellicle was. I was like, mm-hmm. is that just like the name of their cult? Is that their god? <laughs> like, I had no idea, but they just kept shouting it at me. <laughs> yes. And at no point, um, they sort of halfway explain what a Jellicle cat is about, like, during the Jellicle ball during that scene, but that's like way pat, like way later in the movie. Yeah. And even then, they don't really explain what it is they just like give a bunch of descriptions um yeah still no clue what the jellicle cat actually is but it's whatever whatever they are which is not a cat is yeah. what a jellicle cat is yeah so then they move into this like graveyard kind of set and we get into the naming of cats so one th- one thing i found interesting about this musical is that there's very 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 little pure dialogue oh almost yeah. the entire movie or almost the entire musical, is just song after song after song. And normally, I could be okay with that. Like, depending on the type of musical it is, I can be okay with that. However, there still needs to be transitioning and proper, like, 
fading into a song. It mm-hmm. kind of feels like there's like this song's over now. This song, you know. Yeah. What I mean? Well, the whole but musical like, is just American Idol auditions. Oh well, yes. It's just like this is me catchphrase song about myself. Next contestant. Uh, that's yeah. That's this entire movie. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a fan of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the naming of cats. Graveyard. I because I like read the poem T.S. Eliot poem, which is basically like the lyrics to it, and mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting the concept of what well, we learn the main character Victoria, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, is that your real name? And she was like, uh, yeah. Also, Victoria, yeah. very talented. The, the, Incredibly yeah, talented. This role, the role of Victoria is not so much, of course, they're still singing, but it's supposed to be primarily like a ballet, ballerina mm-hmm. role. And so I thought she did so good. Her performance was my favorite one of my favorite parts of this entire movie. Like, it was one of the things that made it at all palatable for me. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Francesca Hayward, uh, who's the principal ballerina at the Royal Ballet. Oh, that makes sense. She's obviously an incredibly talented dancer, so yeah. I'm not surprised. And then, so this song, we see uh, Muscatrap. What's his name? I, I think it's Muscatrap, yeah. Muscatrap, um, played by Robbie Fairchild, is kind of the one really introducing a lot of the it's like you send like so you have a cult leader and you send a very charismatic <laughs> like bottom bitch to like go recruit the leader is like too holy too apart to be involved in that process but it's the next like best thing i feel like that's what this character is i could see that i could see that and and i will say like he does actually you know as as any good cult recruiter should, he does make Raven, a really be careful. <laughs> <laughs> he does put a lot of effort into like you know making her feel comfortable, explain to her like, hey, this is what's going on, this is who we are, this is what we're doing, like this is the environment that you find yourself in, you know, yeah. uh, which of course also serves to explain that to the watcher as well. Yeah, yeah, and so this song, the naming of cats, cat like cats have three names. First, they're uh, like sensible names names their families give them the second one is like fancier names so i like to think that as like you know more elitist um so definitely which cats are which cats are objectively um and then we have a name that they'll never guess the name that only you would know yeah which is what i'm assuming the rest of the cat characters have named themselves because who would name them those names otherwise i yes yeah i Espe- yeah. uh, uh, except for Gus. I could see, like, a, a small British boy naming a cat Asparagus. Oh, yes. <laughs> Although I will say, I love the name Bustopher Jones. <laughs> to me, that name is perfect. It cannot be improved upon in any way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Names. The naming of cats. Um, I thought I thought two things during this song. One, when they're in the graveyard, it's like... St- I thought that was a horror movie, straight up. Oh, 100%. Because I could not, I still have not, not used to how they look. And then, well, three things, not two things. Two, um, I thought the, how the song, sa- the song sounded like slam poetry kind of rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I actually really like that. Like, I, I, uh, that was kind of the only thing I really liked about the song was how it was performed like yeah. a spoken word poem. Yeah, spoken um, word, yeah. And yeah and the kind of rhythm of it 
followed up by Victoria's like little dance kind mm-hmm. of thing. I actually thought was like really really cool. Yeah, and then um, I don't know. I just think this song is kind of cool. Just like the importance of a name, mm-hmm. and like not necessarily what others have named you, but what you name yourself. What you and, like, named yourself, and like your identity, like with that. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So then we get into competing for the Jellicle choice, um, which is like this is kind of when he's explaining. This is like what the Jellicle ball is. This is mm-hmm. like what Jellicle cats do, and like he's explaining that what is it once a year? Yeah. Um. A, they have the Jellicle ball, and one Jellicle cat gets chosen, basically to be reborn into a new life. And I think they can kind of pick what that new life is. That's it what seems it seems like. like. They're they're like yeah. inner souls, like best life. Yes, like whatever they deeply desire. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so basically, they do that by. It's sort of like like like. Campbell was saying at the beginning, it's literally a talent show that they put on. And it's basically like showing your true self. Like you do whatever is most true to you. Um, like just talking about yourself, whether that's dancing, singing, whatever. Um, mostly singing, it seems like. And yeah. uh, you d- you give like the truest display of yourself in an attempt to be worthy for uh, reincarnation. Yeah. And chosen by the leader of the Jellicle Cats, Old Deuteronomy. Yeah. Which, I thought, I know, that's definitely, uh, in, like, fitting name for its role. Because uh, Deuteronomy was the fifth book of the Old Testament. And it's, like, written as, like, a farewell address by Moses to the Israelites mm-hmm. before entering the Promised Lands. Yeah. So, same kind of deal. Yeah. And it's, and I, I think it's interesting that the character's name is, like, Old Deuteronomy. Because, again, very, like very obviously biblical reference and the way the characters before you even ever meet old deuteronomy the way the characters speak of them is incredibly reverent like you can definitely tell that there is so much like awe and and deference shown to that character that um once again kind of just like reinforces the whole like hey what is this? Is this normal? What's going on? Yeah. And so, yeah, they're yeah describing, you know, that kind of application process um, to going to heaven and being sacrificed. Weirdly, while something I do think like we should talk about, and we saw it just in this song before, but the use of dance, like mm-hmm. we, um, we know, we definitely mentioned already how there's not a lot of like dialogue, like in between songs and stuff. But a lot of the dialogue and communication done in this movie is strictly through dance in a lot of yeah, which, which I didn't really find interesting because in, in most artistic works, I guess, cats are generally shown and used like for their grace and elegance, mm-hmm. um, which I, I do think, especially Victoria's character being a ballerina and a lot of the characters, a lot of the dance moves being ballet-esque, I, I think really goes to try to portray that cat's grace yeah. um also one of the things that uh i think probably best to mention here i do really like uh when they're talking uh through competing for the jellical choice and they talk about how the jellical ball happens in this building called the egyptian is that like the end of the alleyway i really liked that it was called the egyptian there's like a big like outline like silhouette of a cat on the mm-hmm. building because the egyptians were actually one of the first um one of the first known like civilizations to really 
uh, revere cats in the way that they do. And uh, also, like, the Egyptian Mao is actually one of the, like, oldest known breeds of quote-unquote domestic cats. So old that the word Mao is actually just the Egyptian word for cat. Which is really cool. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, so much better. Yeah. Drink number two. Yeah, drink is so much better. Okay, so... Doo -doo -doo. Yeah, the Jellicle Choice. Uh, we also see Mr. Mistopheles, uh, the magical cat, who you would... I Not that great at juggling. Um, nope. But, but he's so sweet. He is really sweet. But Laurie Davidson plays Mr. Mistopheles, and I thought he did a really good job. Yeah. I did think that... When he, they were like, yeah, he's a magical cat. I thought it was just like, you know, stage magician, like tricks and stuff like that. But no. But he does actual magic. So is he like a witch's familiar or like what's going I on I think that would that? be so cool because like, yeah. because a lot of the um, characters that you see uh, throughout the movie, is a lot of the roles that they have or like had and like whatever they used to do whatever their like quote unquote previous life was before they came to the alleyway um, was in conjunction with humans, like working with humans yeah. in the way, like a lot of cats serve certain roles in society now, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting if he like was a, like a witch is familiar. I do love though, how his wand is a pencil. Oh, I didn't realize that till near the end of the movie. See, like I, I kind of saw it at the beginning. I was like, that kind of looks like a pencil, but that it wasn't until the end during the Mr. Mistopheles song when like, they, they kind of do racer. a, a close-up <laughs> of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so we're still in competing for the Jellicle Choice. Um, and then, so he's explaining everything that happens there, and then we move into the old Gumby Cat. Um, so this yeah. is where we go to... Um, Jenny Annie Dots. <laughs> it would be Jenny Annie Dots. Which um, I do love is, that name. I do like that name. And she is portrayed by Rebel Wilson, mm -hmm. um, who I love. Fat this Amy movie. in Pitch Perfect. I have loved Rebel Wilson, and I think every role I've seen her in, but I, I really think, in a lot of ways, she kind of makes this movie. Because to me, the way this Cats movie is portrayed, it's like, Cats, again, being that it... You know, it's by Angela Weber, a well-renowned composer, and um, it's gone on Broadway and all this stuff. Like, Cats is a, like, quote-unquote serious musical theater show. Like, it is it is theater, you know what I mean? I, it's I'm... portrayed as such, but to me, it's like, watching this film version, I can't take it seriously as a, like, serious musical theater work in the same way I can take, like, Chicago seriously and stuff like that and to yeah, me well, Rebel one of them Wilson's... is good <laughs> true um, and to me Rebel Wilson and also James Corden who we see in a little bit Rebel Wilson's presence in this cast it reassured me when I saw her because I was like cool I don't need to try to take this seriously you know what I mean <laughs> is that is that an insult like <laughs> no no that's because like because Rebel Wilson I honestly I really do like Rebel Wilson and that's more because like she very often plays um the like comedic characters so, like mm -hmm. her any character she plays is not meant to be taken seriously like she plays jokey characters yeah. and so like seeing her which is like Oh great! I don't need to, at least this scene. I don't need to try to take it seriously because it's Rebel Wilson, and I can just laugh, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so this scene, so we each of these songs um, for people in the 
contesting the Jellicle choice. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives, you know, what their lives about, um, what they currently do, and what kind of lives they kind of want to have. And we yeah. see she is basically just like a house cat, I assume, to get rid of, like, mice and other pets. Uh, pests. I believe so. Yeah. Um, and then we also see, like, those weird, like, mice children and cockroach people, Ugh. which... That... Okay, so basically... Jarring. Basically, what she does... So, yeah, so she, her purpose in the house is to get rid of pests like mice, bugs, and stuff like that, which a lot of cats do. That's one of the first reasons cats were ever domesticated. She instead has turned them into um, entertainment. Yeah. Dinner and a show. Performance artists. Yeah. Um, So the mice, uh, she's made like a little like mouse band with. Um, Mm. My, and I, I don't know if you will agree with this, Campbell, but I strongly believe that the depiction, the animation of the mice is even worse than the cat's. I, like, at first, I was just like, okay, the cats, uh, maybe you've seen a cat, like, a few years ago, and you've never really worked with them before, but the mice was just like, you have seen mice outside of it's, Tom and Jerry, right? They, like, they're, like, <laughs> if you take, like, the Pillsbury Doughboy, and you take its head, and you squeeze it, and so <laughs> the, like, I don't know, innards kind of fill up the bottom more, and the head's small. I just... That's what the mice look like. They're all, they're fat bottom mice, which I don't, that's a phrase. That's a, that's a um, compilation of words. I never, (laughs) (laughs) that is a a compilation of words I never thought would ever come out of my mouth, but here we are. Um, I, it truly disturbed me to see it. Um, What'd you think of the music of this song though? I, I did write down the term scat cat. So that was fun. (laughs) <laughs> i didn't really like this song that much yeah um the overall scene i was like i understand the purpose that it plays in the overall movie but i didn't care for it um i did however like when she gets into how she's like also you know supposed to be managing the cockroaches and stuff like that and then she talks about how um but instead i created a beetle tattoo um which for anyone that doesn't know uh i realized like this is kind of a unique thing for at least virginia beach but a tattoo not in terms of like the drawing the artwork that you get in your skin but a tattoo is um basically a artistic performance by like or an exposition by like military so in virginia because campbell and i are very obviously american um so in virginia in the tidewater area there's an annual tattoo like an international tattoo that they do every year where like obviously the u.s military is so, like the army the marine corps the navy and everything um and then militaries from around the world will actually come and do like different performances and stuff as well as artists from around the world as well and it's, it's really really cool because you get to see so many different cultural artistic works and like dances and music and like all kinds of stuff so basically she did that with the cockroaches and like the beetles that are around the house yeah. and i actually kind of liked it yeah um i thought it was actually really cool that that whole scene and the animation of the beetles they looked like bugs. They looked like animated bugs, but they looked like bugs, which is yeah. more than we can say for the mice and the cats. Yeah. And so I, I thought this... So when it seemed to me that uh, Monkey Strap thought so far that uh, she was like a front runner for the Jellicle mm-hmm. choice. So I did like the in-between of like him describing, kind of bringing it back to that very like lyrical, melodic 
reverence thinking about the Jellicle choice, which is contradicted by her just being her all thing. jazzy. Yeah, just yeah. doing her own thing. Um, I did kind of like that back and forth a little bit. Yeah, and so this also is also like during the beetle tattoo how she eats the ones that get out of line. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> gotta stay on top. Gotta gotta don't want uh, no rebels. dominance. <laughs> okay. Um, and then this is the scene where at one point she sings. She like takes her tail like between her Ugh. legs and like uses a microphone. And I had to stop. And it, I mean, it just it's just I wrong. I've, it's just wrong. I feel like I shouldn't be watching it. I felt like it I was going to get in trouble weird. for watching that. Yeah, because like because for most of the movie, you're not really. So there are a lot of movies with like animal characters where, like, they wear clothing and stuff, and so there's still the concept of, like, the animal being naked. I will say that's not necessarily the case for cats, um, because they don't, like, with the exception of, of select few characters, they why don't really Je- wear clothes. Why did Jenny but... Annie Dots take off her skin? <laughs> that's what I was getting to. So, for for most of the characters, there's not really a concept of them being naked, because just like, yeah, like, they, they're, they're cats. cats. They're cats in a weird humanoid form, but they're cats. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't seem odd that they're not wearing clothing, um, except for like the select few that are. But then with Ginny Anidots, it starts when she takes her tail between her legs and starts using it as a prop, and then she does this weird thing where like she it makes it seem like her fur, so she's depicted just as a cat like all the rest of them. But then she unzips it, and then under that, like it like folds out into like a jazzy like performance outfit very um, and then majorette you still see, very majorette and then you still see her like cat body under it but it's just like but what was that on top then like was that not your skin was that Raven. not your body Raven, I, don't I don't know understand. I, don't, I don't know what she that looked was. like a normal cat and then she unzipped her body and i was just like what is happening and she does yeah. it again later in the movie but anyway i can't oh man Okay, so then we meet another cat, uh, the Rum Tum Tugger, uh, played by Jason Derulo. Um, I literally wrote down, Jason Derulo, you're better than this. Did you did you write his name I... in like script? <laughs> no. So it's like Jason Derulo. Jason know? Derulo, uh, but no, I literally wrote Jason Derulo, you're better than this. Which is saying a lot because I don't like Jason Derulo. <laughs> like, I don't really like him as an artist. I do think he does like a good job in it, though. I think for the character, yes. For for what the character is, yes. All he does my a compliments good job for this are comparatively it. speaking for the medium it's being presented in. Raven, um, I was like, when I say, I was like, oh yeah, this was good here, in the context of nothing. In the context was. of the overall movie, minus Jennifer Hudson, nothing was. Oh my, nothing in this movie was good. Um, and so the rum tum tugger uh, basically is what's the word whore cat yes <laughs> um literally his entire song is about how i want what i want and if you offer me something i won't want it until i decide that i want it <laughs> which is the most cat thing i've ever heard absolutely which, like, when he's i forget where it is but like when he's talking about um there's a scene towards the end of the song where they're in this like 
milk shop? Milk bar. It seemed wrong. I didn't like it. They were drinking milk off the floor at Raven. It made me so uncomfortable. I didn't like it. It was really weird. So it's like, it's like, you know how like in like the 50s when like your grandparents stuff would talk about how there'd be like soda fountains, like places you could go just to get soda and like maybe like a milkshake or something and then leave. That's basically what this was, but for milk, which can only be for cats because I don't know any human in the world. that Or would. just like really um, white people. That, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so they're in this milk bar and he's like, oh, if you offer me cream, I'll say like, no, thanks or something like that. And he runs out. And then as soon as he gets out, he's just like, but then when I leave, I decide I want cream. And he goes that again. And that was the most cat thing I've ever seen because there was nothing more cat than scratching be, at a door. Do want, yeah, do you want to be, be let in? Or out? in. <laughs> And then closing, the, and then you let them in, and you close the door, and then immediately they scratch to be let out. That is just cats. That is every cat I've ever personally met. Why does uh, the Rum Tum Tugger want a new life? He seems to be very happy with his own, so I don't know. Yeah. And, like, and also, I don't know, because again, it seems like you get to pick the life that you want, sort of. But he seems very much like, wishy-washy is kind of the word, but it's the wrong connotation. He seems very much like... He wants everything at the same time. And so it's just like, I don't know what he would get out of a new life. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, I don't know wh- why he's in this competition at all. No one understands what he wants or who he is. Yeah. But he is like, he is portrayed kind of as like the dreamy, I guess, hunk character. Where like all the female cats seem to be like enamored with him and like kind yeah. of chasing after him. Yeah. Um, and you can see, like, when he uh, picks, like, Victoria out of the crowd, all the other female cats are just literally swooning. But you get know, she's like, really? Him? Because to me, he was the cat that looks the worst. In terms of, like, the transition from cat's body to human face, I did not like the incorporation of his face onto his cat body. It looked very weird to me. I would agree. Yeah. So then we see a bunch of cats hissing at uh, Jennifer Hudson's character. Who's just kind of like in an alley in the streets and very shabby. Yeah, very shabby. Uh Grizabella the Glamour Cat. Yeah, definitely an alley cat. We learned through the song, which is very like has a very ominous backing. They reference that like she decided to, you know, make some choices with a cat we did see earlier, McCavity. Mm, um, who's who, portrayed by Idris Elba. Yeah. And so really made a lot of like wrong decisions in her life definitely an outcast mm-hmm. and the jellicle cats resent her for this and so when they're singing yeah. this song it's like oh grizabella the glamour cat they always talk about like her like decline and like who she used to be and just like really just verbally being abusive towards absolutely her. and then victoria goes who was she she doesn't say who is she she says she, yeah. who was she which i think is very interesting yeah. Yeah, they're so mean to her. And so and then she like runs off because they're again literally being verbally abusive to her. Hissing um, at her. Hissing at her and everything. Um very make very much making it clear that she's no longer welcome to be around. Like they do not associate with her anymore. Yeah. Um You see so, the regret in Jennifer Hudson's face. And the pain. Which I um, like to maybe she's it's just like very much method acting and she's just taking from her decision to be in this movie. <laughs> oh that's so wrong i mean but like yeah i will say like while i love i loved jennifer hudson's performance in this but that's mostly 
purely just because Jennifer Hudson herself is oh. incredibly talented, amazing singer, e- almost even better actress, and just like they like she can't do anything poorly. So of course she's going to be good. Doesn't Let's... mean the movie is good. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we'll we'll talk more about that when we get to memory. Yes, but yeah, we'll ju- we'll talk about it then because I have a lot yeah. of thoughts, a lot of hot takes on that. Okay. So then uh, we go to the next cat because, I mean, it's just, like, roll call. There's literally one after the other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're at Bustopher Jones, the cat about town, uh, played by James Corden, you know, host of the Late Late Show. Late Late Show, yeah. Um, my favorite role of his is Craig in Doctor Who. <laughs> um, I love Craig, so I'm so glad I got you into Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. I was but... watching it today. Oh, Nice. Um, but yeah, so we get to Bustopher Jones, the cat about town. Which everyone knows this cat. This is the cat that like has a home, but goes to like every house in the neighborhood and everyone mm-hmm. feeds it. And yeah, this cat knows the rounds. Absolutely. And he is so, so, so fat. And they even talk How about like How fat during... is he? He's so fat. Oh, I actually love this part of the song. So there's one part where like there's this big, um, he's doing, he's about to go into like this big note or whatever. And he jumps on like the end of this, like basically seesaw. And this other cat is supposed to like jump down. And like one of those moves where like he jumps down and then he goes soaring upward. Um, But the cat is a lot smaller than him because he's super, super, super fat. Yeah. Um, So he literally stops in the middle of the song. He's just like, well, that's not going to work, is it? Like, look at you. And look at me, you know, like, you know, I'm sensitive about my size. You know that you have to get more weight to be able to launch me yeah. up. So then the, he's like, he's like, let's redo it. Let's redo it. We have to do this again. So then it's like that cat plus like five other cats plus an anvil. <laughs> like a, and, and I think the anvil it was like a 10 pound anvil or something. Yeah. It's like. He says his weight, though. He's, like, 25 pounds. 25 pounds. Yeah. Which, like, smaller cats, 7 to 8 pounds. Bigger cats, you know, sometimes, like, like 10 to, like, 12 pounds. 14 to 15 pounds, like, there there are cats that are kind of naturally that size. 25 pounds, no matter the breed, is a massive cat. Um, So it's literally, like, five different cats plus an anvil. And they have to, like, all jump on to even get him any amount of lift. Yeah. So very fat. And um, what I like about this song, it's very like British, uh, like March like. Like you would, the backing to the song, I think would fit in in between the scenes during the Great British Baking Show. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, it's just a you know just a cat marching in the countryside, like very like yeah. Richard Scary. Also, because I don't think we physically said it yet, this movie the story does take place in London. It was oh, set yeah. in London. Yeah. yeah. Um, hence um, why almost the entire cast, besides like Jennifer Hudson and Taylor Swift and J- Jason Rulo are English, British, whatever. Um, yeah. And yeah, then also, at this point... Oh, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, also during the scene, very important, um, there's like a side scene was, during yeah, the song. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. There's a side scene during the song where we see Ginny Annie Dots run into McCavity during the scene. So like, at this point, we haven't really talked a lot about McCavity. He's only been introduced like kind of marginally at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we see wanted posters. But, yeah. So McCavity which is, fun is for a cat. played by Idris Elba um, and it is Again, it's implied that's another Which cat. Which everyone another knows. Cat. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's implied that he's another cat that is competing f- to be the Jellicle choice. So 
during this scene, we see Ginny and Dots run into McCavity in kind of side alley. Um, and he like makes her disappear. Like he like does something and she like basically goes up in a cloud. I was, or Raven, in a I was so confused when I saw <laughs> that. I was like, okay, is he supposed to like represent like death or something? Or is like, is he like taking their souls to something like, do they die and things like that? And no, it's just this like vengeful cat with magic powers. Yeah. That's the explanation. Yeah. I will say though, I'm a little grateful that my aunt does love cats so much because the only reason I understood what was happening in this movie even a little bit was because my aunt was sitting down explaining the entire movie to me in an attempt to get me to also love cats. And I very quickly explained to her, I was like, it's not going to happen. Like, I, I, I respect the fact that you love it. Do it's you, not going to happen. Do you respect that fact? <laughs> um, yeah, you don't so, have to so that. <laughs> so McCavity um, is another cat competing for the, to be the jellical choice and he's trying to get rid of his competition so he's basically the only option left yeah um and so at this point again jenny and dots is one of the contestants and is portrayed at least by musky trap as kind of being maybe one of the front runners so he kidnaps her basically he she gets disappeared in a cloud of smoke to somewhere that we don't know where she is we don't mm -hmm. know what happened to her but that happens during the song so it's kind of an important side scene to understand that that's happening in the background yeah and so we like go through more of buster for jones and he just kind of explains um he's a fat piece of shit um <laughs> yeah. and he like i guess wants a life where he's thinner so that he can get fat again so he can get fat again food. yeah yeah i will say though uh one of the things that I guess I did like about the scene. This was the first scene where I started being able to mentally picture them as real cats. Um, so yes, like, this was the Buster, scene. I, I didn't think about it anymore, how they looked. Yes. Buster for Jones, like something about the way he is, his CGI is done. He actually really does look like just a fat cat. And like everyone's seen, like Kim was saying earlier, like everyone's seen fat cat that's just like ridiculously fat and they just like have a certain walk and gait and like lumber to them chonkers big old chonkers yes <laughs> and the way james corden is moving and his cgi and everything perfectly emulates that and this was like like i said this was the first time that i was able to be like okay like mentally kind of converting the image of the humanoid cats into what real cats would look like like which like I, it was it was hard to reconcile within like the dancing movements yeah. um because the dancing is still very human because it's ballet and stuff like that yeah, but the general like purposeful. walking around yeah the general movement and walking around of the characters it's like it, this is the point where it's like okay i can see how they're they look like cats you know yeah and um yeah, so this, yeah, you're exactly right. This is the point I was like, oh, I'm used to it. Um, as opposed to the beginning, which seemed even horrific. more of an abomination than <laughs> Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat. Okay, Campbell, I've said this before and I will say it again. Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat is a perfect movie. You know that movie is the reason they're not, like, the Seuss family yes. no longer allows live, allows live action versions of Dr. Seuss movies or Dr. Seuss books. I'm aware. And that makes it even more perfect in my eyes. <laughs> it is a cultural phenomenon. It, what a weird way to say nightmare. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is worse. But at this point I'm used to it. I'm like, yeah. this is just what we're doing. 
So then we get into uh, Mungo Jury and Rumple Teaser. Well, right at the end of Bustopher Jones' song, we see McCavity also takes him. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, then we get into Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. This was this was the song, like, at this point in the movie, this was my favorite song so far. Yeah, I, I really liked this one. And I think um, it's Naomi Morgan and Danny Collins playing Rumple Teaser and Mungo Jerry. Um, I think. So I'm assuming they're like, it's like a twin situation, like Wonder Twins. I don't think so. Um, but also, I didn't like their like relationship because it seemed like those siblings who are like too close that like, they used to like kiss each other goodnight, you know? You know, like those siblings. Mm, I can see that. Yeah. Everyone's known those siblings. Yeah. And if you are one of those siblings and you're offended, don't kiss your sister. Yeah, like it's that simple. I yeah. don't feel sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely not. This is um, a public service announcement. Don't kiss your sister. Yep, it's that simple. Um, I will say I did also really like the choreography in this mm. um mm-hmm. in this song. Again, it was one of the first ones where it was like, okay, like their movements are actually kind of cat-like, and the the choreography they're works cat burglar- with that. burglars. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it's, it's that the the music was very. James Bond espionage spy light. Yeah. Which I think another time where like the choreography saved is a strong word, but still in the context of just talking about the movie, maybe like mm-hmm. saved this part of it. Is it is it time for round three, Raven? Looks like it is. Cool. Uh cheers. Cheers. Okay, um, so I think that you, you brought this up before, but I think at this part of the movie is another time where the sizing and the spacing was off. Yeah. It definitely seemed a little weird. Especially, especially when they're at like that. Especially the, when they're like. At the dinner table. Yes. And then when they're sliding down the banisters, it's just like, I feel like even in like seven or eight pound cat would be a little bigger than that. But maybe that's yeah. just me. I don't know. And I do think it's interesting, like, throughout all these songs, um, this is definitely a song where Victoria is more interactive. Absolutely. And she's like, this is one of the first times she actually has, like, lines. Like, she's also singing parts in the song, like, Mm -hmm. here and there. Um, And she's getting a little more comfortable. She's feeling playful with them and everything. And she's kind of like, oh, cool. Like, this is fun. Like, I'm coming out of my shell a little bit. And then uh, we get to the end. We're there in the bedroom. Um, and one of the vases that they kind of like ran into earlier knocks over and supposedly wakes up like the dog in the house. Which um, I am so glad we didn't see the dog. Oh, yeah. I was, I, like, what is, I was like, what does this look like? <laughs> I was, I, it was like, if you're seeing a horror movie and you're like, oh, don't go in there. Don't go in there. I did not want them to go in. I, I was, I was scared. Yeah. Even. I, I, I was imagining it as like some it. weird mix. It's like the the physical sounds of the dog's barks. I was thinking of like some sort of like hound, like a basset hound. But then also mentally, I was kind of picturing it as like the dog from Tom and Jerry. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I was like, either way, I don't really want to see what this dog looks like. But yeah, so they're in the bedroom. They hear the dog coming and Mungo Jerry and... A rumple teaser bail they run out the window yeah and victoria tries to follow them but they've been like putting like jewelry and necklaces and all this type of stuff on her and so when she's trying to run the necklace gets caught on like the bedpost or whatever and so mm-hmm. she can't escape and rumple teaser mongo jerry just leave her yeah again really showing their character um and then mistopheles kind of comes out of nowhere because he's just like oh i was like following you to make sure you're okay 
little creepy, but also he seems kind of sweet. So it's like, whatever. Um, and he saves her. Like he, uh, helps her. She ends up like breaking free or whatever. And is trying to close the door against the dog. And he helps her. And he like has his bone that he pulls out of his magic hat or whatever. Um, and throws it. So the dog will run and go get it. And then they close the yeah. door. Yeah. Okay. Let's just think about the size of that bone in proportion to the cat's body. If that's like a chicken bone, chicken wing, how much bigger is a chicken than a cat? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, is a chicken, the even the average size cat is about the same size of a chicken, if yeah. not longer in body, you know? Yeah. Alone. So, Mr. Mistopheles is nice. And uh, something that I noticed with some of the songs, I did, obviously I did not go back and listen to more of it again. Oh, I did with, not either. Like, a lot of the songs that were, like, in, like, contesting for, like, the Jellicle choice, there would be, like, periods where you would hear the melody from Jellicle Cats. Mm-hmm. For Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, you do not hear it. You do not hear it at all. So, which led me to think they're not up for that. They're their own separate thing. Yeah, this is purely just shenanigans. This is just, they're doing High this for Hijinks in its they're, purest form. Indeed. And they're not trying to compete for the Jellicle Choice. It's not even in their mind. They're just, they're just, uh hooligans for the sake of being hooligans yeah the rascals yeah and then we go to mccavity and we see the captured cats on like a boat a barge like, a, on a barge the on the thames thames um, thames james, says growl james tiger corden, james corden specifically says it is called the thames well growl tiger wants to make it rhyme so he's the terror <laughs> of the thames um, and so they're being held hostage. We find out here that McCavity was like, oh, I'll just get rid of the competition and then I will be the Jellicle choice. Yeah. Also, real quick, I loved that little aside with like Growl Tiger when he was like, when he made it Thames to run with Ames and James or uh, Buster for Jones was just like, you, you can't, can't do, do that. that. <laughs> you, you can't call it Thames just to make it rhymes with, just to make it rhyme with Ames. It's called the Thames. And again, like James Corden and Rebel Wilson together again was just like cool i don't need to try to take this seriously i loved every second of their characters being on screen i like how you are looking for reasons not to take it seriously you could just <laughs> not take it seriously raven that, that's that's an like, option it's i feel like you always have you, to try at first why and then... says who <laughs> says who why try at all not it I, doesn't matter nothing matters not i said the frog correct um so then uh victoria's back in the alley with Munkestrap? Musketrap? Munkestrap, Mus I think his name. The um the cult recruiter. Yeah, cult recruiter. Uh he's like uh the cool college students that comes to high schools to like get people to join young life. <laughs> he's very camp counselor, you know? Very much, yes. Um so then he's like uh because Mustafalis comes and he's just like, Oh, I thought you were gonna miss the arrival or whatever. And so then Munkestrap explains, Oh yeah, like old Deuteronomy is coming for the Jellicle Ball. So then they start, uh, the song Old Deuteronomy starts. And which and is so reverent, so hymnal. I literally wrote that down. Those, the, it's so, it's wondrous. It's deferent. It is reverent of this character. And you see her coming out of the smoke and then she appears and it is Judy Dench. Dame who, Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. Who is on the level of like, 
Angela Lansbury. And I think Judy Dench, I don't know if you know this, Campbell, but I think she was actually all. in one of the... Okay. she. <laughs> I think she was actually in one of the original like, Broadway productions of Cats as one of the other characters. Maybe Grisabella or some, some other. But I, I think she was in one of the actual like um, original Broadway productions. But I can't personally verify that, at least not right now. Yeah. I just, I really like her. She always reminds me, um, like, I always put her and... Um, uh, Dwayne the Rock Julie Johnson. Oh, okay, and in, in the same category. I don't know if it's like their facial structure, um, and just their overall talent and being amazing and um, British. But I, and British, yes. But I always kind of like associate the two of them together. I don't associate anyone with Julie Andrews because Julie Andrews is like the entirety of my childhood and everything I hold dear. So, oh, because Mary Poppins, yeah, yeah, and Sound of Music. Also, I love how I said the completely wrong name, and you still knew exactly what I was talking about. What name did you say? I said Julie Roberts, because I get Julie Roberts, <laughs> like I get because Julia Roberts, and then Julie. Did you like Andrews. my Julia Roberts laugh? Yes. You remember that Thirty Rock episode where Liz has confidence with her cowboy hat, and she does her Julia Roberts laugh to Paul Giamatti. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, okay, cool. We um, met our quota. <laughs> um, oh, that means I have to keep in the part where I say her name wrong completely. I say the. Oh. I, it's not. It's not that I say her name wrong. I just say a different name. Yeah. But you still understood who I meant, and that's yeah. all that matters. Oh, we have to keep this in. Oh, There's so much okay. good content, Raven. <laughs> um. So yeah. So this song is very sacred. Yes. To the Jellicle Cats, and I hate how. They don't, like, I mean, they're like cats, so they're not going to, like, hug each other. But how they nuzzle each other, I hate it. Yeah, and it was it was a thing, like, anytime they show it... Judy Dench movie, should not be subjected to doing something like that. No. And anytime they show it in the movie, like, mentally it was like, I understand that this is what real cats and real life do. Like, obviously cats don't, like, kiss each other on the cheek. They don't hug. They don't do any of that. They but do cats kinda, also like, don't do pirouettes. So, like, there's a line true. that was drawn and you should, like, not try you to torment maintain me. that. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it was like yeah, cats do kind of, like, actually nuzzle each other in real life when they're showing affection or, like, greeting cats that they are familiar with. But, like, to see, again, these are, these aren't so much cats as they are, because, because, we are outside of like we are outside of an actual performance of, right now against god so i am once again seeing them as humans that look like cats as opposed to real cats and to see humans nuzzle against each other it, i don't i truly do Especially not like, it. like, like it, knowing it like some of the inside. humans who they are and i'm like from like other things i'm like why why it are you just doing feels this weird. Just like, Especially like later on to see like Jennifer the gun Hudson against your head to do with, this like, yeah, to see, like, Jennifer Hudson nuzzle with, like, Judy Dent. It just felt weird. It felt wrong. It felt like when Rebel Wilson started singing in her tongue. Or singing with her tail. Yeah. Okay, so now we're... They're, like, going into the Egyptian altogether. Did not know Sir Ian McKellen was in this film. Yeah, um, and he kind of just, like... I feel like Sir Ian McKellen, in anything he appears in, deserves the same type of entrance that Judy Dench got. But he, you just kind of like it. Just kind of like briefly pans over to him, and he's just like on the side. And you see him going to the theater, and I was just like, Sir Ian McKellen does not deserve to be denigrated in this way. Yeah. Although later, like his character does, I feel like get the recognition that deserves yeah. later on when he's competing for the Jellicle Choice. Yeah. 
So now we get to the song, The Jellical Ball, which I hate. Um, it's yes. a summoning circle for whatever demonic energy that <laughs> There was, was literally a summoning circle on the ground. I'm pretty sure it's a pentagram. No, I, it was like, which also, it didn't make sense. Because it was like a sun, but like the thing is like the jellical moon. I was like, pick one. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Also, the jellical moon is just a full moon. And it has nothing to do with cats. And I don't know why they tried to make it unique I mean, to them. Well, jellical is their god. That we saw in the very beginning of the movie. <laughs> that actual realistic looking cat in the clouds that's fair i assume that's jellical um yeah also something that i it, it this always puts me on edge so like this was a song that like it didn't have any music um but it was so there's there's a word for like a type of song that is sung without music and it's not acapella because acapella is the obvious like term for when mm-hmm. you sing without music but like this is a song like it's not usually when someone performs acapella um, technically, yes, acapella can just mean singing without music, but usually when acapella is performed, it's like you have voices or people singing the musical backing, and then you have the actual lyrics. Mm-hmm. This is one of those songs where like it's not meant to be put to music; it is purely just on its own. But it still has a ri- it's not like a spoken word. It's still like it still has a rhythm, as if it's being sung to music. But there is demonic no music. chanting. And it always, anytime this is done, it always puts me on edge. I don't like it. I don't like Do you have songs other examples being sung. Of it? I can't, I can't think of any off the top of my head, okay. but like when I hear it, I'm just like, mm, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. And this was one of those songs. They were also definitely flirting with each other during the dancings. I think it was a yeah. mating dance. It was very, it, it was reminded very me of like the worst version of the competition dance in Midsummer. Have you seen Midsummer? Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, which again was very like cult like and made me uncomfortable as well. And the there was like group twitching and like they were like convulsing. Yes. I I really thought the next step was they're going to all speak in tongues. <laughs> but instead they did their interpretation of it was like the whole interpretive dance thing. It did yeah, not sound like, like cats meowing. and It's so uncomfortable. And they call it like the jellical moon. Yeah. And it just like, They were about to have they, an they start off. They start off like twitching and convulsing. And their tails are like twitching. And they like move. And like they start like gyrating and just moving in this weird way. It's, it's, not, it's not how cats move. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Real quick, we have a brief message from our lovely sound mixer, Trevor. Fuck you, cats of cinematography gold. Everyone fucking knows that you fucking nerds. And with that, we're back to the episode. And then we have, like, the characters introduced before that weren't, like, stolen. Jason Derulo comes, and then we hear, like, the themes of their songs and stuff. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, this is a fun sentence I wrote um, in my notes. Stop crumping. Be nice to (laughs) Jennifer Hudson. (laughs) Yes. They were crumping. They were. I'll crump with you, Bart. (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah so we see grizabella off to the so all of them are like kind of performing and dancing around old deuteronomy which is judy dench um and we see grizabella off to the side and two of the cats um, their names are cassandra and demeter mm-hmm. uh, or demeter i forget how her name is actually pronounced in greek mythology yeah. um but th- those are two of the female cats that were i guess harassing grizabella way back before at the milk bar scene during jason the ruler song um we see them like kind of start chasing her chasing grizabella off and out of the building and then we see these two like 
I guess, twin cats. Um, they're, like, dancing, like, hip-hop. Uh, like, they're doing, like, hip-hop dancing. Yeah. And they're wearing they, shoes, which is, like, they, one they of the are, first times... They're actually, like, very famous, like, French, like, dancers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, the, 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 the uh, individuals portraying them, again, very talented, amazing. Um, but, again, to see a humanoid in cat form dancing hip-hop with, like, sneakers felt weird. Um... So yeah, so then, um, this, okay, so this is one of the parts in the movie that makes me the most uncomfortable and literally when they're, like, my dry hair heaving. stand on end. So the music starts getting frantic, and the oh. cats dance, like, faster and faster and faster, and then I literally wrote down, they're, like, they're dancing for the, like, validation and approbation from Old Deuteronomy, and it's, it seems like they're dancing out of some, like, manic compulsion and it just like it truly makes me uncomfortable. And they start like panting, and you can like audibly, like you can hear the breathing to the point like if you have captions on, it has it in the captions. I had to and put captions is, on to be like, what the fuck are these people even saying? It is so incredibly disturbing. I, 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 I there's no other way to describe it. Yeah. It's just disturbing. Um, yeah. And then Victoria kind of yeah. leaves after. Grizabella gets like, you know, like, get out of here. Can't you see we don't want you anymore? Very Harry and the Hendersons. And then we get to the first, like, the prelude for memory. Yes. Which, this is how I feel. I think the overall performance, acting, singing, air, is my favorite Jennifer Hudson performance. Even compared to Dreamgirls. Oh. And it's... A bad opinion to have. Okay. Well, but I... Mm. It, this performance made me forget I was watching Cats. I do agree with that. And I think... I will I will never, I will never, ever, I, ever, there was ever, never ever such put a, anything above Jennifer Hudson's performance in Dreamgirls. Because I which, love Dreamgirls because deeply you're a, in my soul. Also, you're a sane human be, being. But, and we will be doing Dreamgirls on this podcast. But I, I do, I do also recognize... I have never been so yes. captivated... By performance in my life. Jennifer Hudson's... I will say, I will say, in the sense of, like, the combination of the acting and the singing, I don't put above Dreamgirls. But I can't I can see how it's somewhat on that level. Because the... Her... The pain that oh, you can feel from her character during this God, scene is... Oh. It is... She just... Oh, my God. Jennifer Hudson is just an amazing, amazing, amazing actress. I love everything that she's ever in. And yeah. her voice is out of this world. I will say, um, one of the things that did somewhat disappoint me about this scene... The only thing that disappointed me about this scene... Because so they never really talked truly about Grizabella's past. The... Uh, two cats like at the at the milk bar kind of hint at it like they say like oh she used to work with McCavity and like blah 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 but they don't really talk about her past yeah. so I want it because this is kind of just like a snippet of memory like it's like a prelude like you said earlier I really wanted this song to be over a flashback showing her past and during the song I kept feeling like they were going to do that and then they didn't and yeah. when it ended, it, it left me, like, wanting. Because I felt like, okay, this song is clearly about her past and who she is and what she is wanting out of this and what she needs. But we still don't actually know who she is and what happened to her. 
I think we I, mean? I think we get hints of that for the reprise of Beautiful Ghost. Yes, we do. Um, so then, okay, the song Memory. Um, it's like you definitely feel the pain, the regret, and the choices she made in life, and like the kind of like redemption she like so desires. Like she keeps on yes. coming back, um, and it's very much like she remembers being happy. That's what's keeping her going. She's holding on to those things. And there's so much beautiful imagery in the song that really like this. This is one of those songs. I think so. This is one of the songs that was very successful, even completely outside of the context of cats. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons it was, was because the imagery of the song, it never, at no point during the song does she explicitly say what happened in ever, like her past or anything like that. But you know. But you know. And the imagery clearly depicts what she's feeling, what she has experienced without ever saying it in direct words. And I think yeah. that's so powerful because then it's something that you can apply to any other, like it's something you can apply to anyone, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so then we get into the song. So Victoria is, is out there. God, I love Jennifer Hudson. <sighs> She's amazing. Um, so Victoria's character is outside interacting with Jennifer Hudson during this, uh, during the song. And so then after Grisabella is walking off. Then we get into Beautiful Ghost by Which, Victoria. Which, for me, it's not my favorite performance, but it's my favorite, like, song. This is my favorite song from this movie. Include, even including memory. It's a, it's a yeah. very thin line, but this is my favorite song from the movie. Just, um, just so from strict musicality. Yes. So this is really only, like, the third time that Victoria has spoken or sung in this entire movie. To the point, like, I forgot what... Her, I didn't know what her voice sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> and when she started singing, I was just like, oh, uh, okay. So that's what yeah. you sound like. Um, yeah. So Old Deuteronomy, we see Old Deuteronomy watching from the win- a window of the Egyptian. And Victoria is basically singing about how, you know, Grisabella... Yes, you have all this pain and this regret from a life you once had and a life you once lived, but at least you had a life. Like, at least you had those experiences. I have yet to experience anything. And Victoria one of the lines, I think, says, no beauty in my memory. Yes. All I, want, what, all I like, wanted was to be wanted. And one of the lines I think is so powerful, which is kind of the part of the refrain of the song, is the memories were lost long ago but at least you have beautiful ghosts as in like, yes, you now have a lot of regret about the life you live. And, and you're yes, haunted you no by it. Have that happiness and you are haunted by it, but at least you have something to be haunted by. Yeah. I have nothing. All I wanted was to be wanted. And I was abandoned. I was thrown into this alleyway. I am just discovering this life that you have already lived. You have done things and experienced things that I could never even hope to glimpse which also and... makes sense is why she's so eager to join a cult <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and the two of them back to back is just beautiful this is one of the best scenes in the movie oh yeah if not the yeah. best scene if it's not, not the best, best. yeah the, uh, when they do the memory again that's the best scene that's the best <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the best i don't know why i said almost no it's very clear if jennifer hudson was not in this movie I don't think... I think it would have been, like, taken down from theaters. Honestly. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Um, so then, yeah, so... Old Deuteronomy has been watching from the window of the Egyptian. 
And so then pretty much as soon as Beautiful Beautiful Ghost is completed, um, it pans over to her and we go into the moments of happiness. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I don't know what the song is even about. I don't know what she's trying to say in the song. I Okay, I, I didn't either. <laughs> I think it's her trying to figure it out what it is to like to be happy i feel like she's unsure okay i feel like it's uh yeah there's like you like remember being happy but like what does that like actually mean and what can you even like it's something that very appreciative it's like how she's talking about it but it doesn't seem like she truly like grasps it yeah, and so it, she, it's yeah, like Grizabella, like Grizabella singing "Memory" makes her think. Cause like, oh, what does it mean to be happy? Like, this cat is longing so much for this like one thing. It's making her being is like, do I know? Yeah, what do happiness? I know what it means to be happy? Yeah, I I can see that. So, like, yeah, so, like some. Of the I feel like it's a like, reactionary um, song. Moments of happiness we had the experience, but missed the meaning. An approach to the meaning restores the experience. It was just like one of those songs where like, it's so deeply philosophical that I was yeah. just like, what are you actually trying to say? Say, say that lyric again, Raven. Let, let's, so, let's get into it. The moments of happiness, we had the experience, but missed the meaning. An approach to the meaning restores the experience in a different form beyond any meaning. Which, okay, so to me, like in the beginning... The moments of happiness, we had the experience, we missed the meaning. It's to me, I guess, would kind of be saying like, when we were happy, we didn't know what happiness was. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't truly appreciate the fact that we were happy and we're experiencing joy. And we didn't understand what it meant to be happy. And now, an approach to the meaning restores the experience. Is like, maybe for us to be happy again in our current life, we have to understand what happiness is and how to achieve it. But I don't know. Yeah, what do you think? I, I could see that. I could also see like, if we look back, it's like, yeah, I was happy here. And then if, yeah, it's understanding why you were happy there. Yeah. Also, one of the words, and I, I think it's really important to a watcher to understand the meaning of this word because it comes up so ineffable. Way more ineffable. Ineffable. <laughs> so the actual, so um, the actual dictionary definition of ineffable is too great or extreme to be expressed or described in words, or not to be uttered, and I think the use of that word like they use that word a lot like the word comes up so much in the movie multiple um, characters multiple characters um like i think idris elba like at least towards the end yep he, he does uses it when he's like trying to do some of this magic or whatever um but yeah so i i think so the end of the song she says or part of the lyrics of the song she says um but of many generations not forgetting something that is probably quite ineffable. So again, like talking about how the feeling of true happiness and joy, like truly achieving happiness is something like the meaning of happiness and the meaning of joy and the meaning of life is something that can't be put into words. And that's why maybe we do miss the meaning and that's why we don't appreciate the experience when we have it because we can't truly comprehend what it is. We can't put it into words. It's not something that we can truly discuss and talk about in any meaningful way. Yeah. I like that. I dig it. 
in fact. Okay, I feel like we're getting too deep, and I feel like uh, we're making and we're trying to keep something our better heads, than this. So <laughs> our heads above water instead of going under because we're um, in too deep, and we're trying to keep some forty-one copyright. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It wasn't that long. Keep it in. Um, so now okay, we get so to we go, Gus we the, the theater, theater cat. The theater. Yes, magical Gus. <laughs> we we see the patron of the stage. It is his craft, Sir Ian McKellen, who, I mean, like everyone knows Ian McKellen. He's Gandalf. He's Magneto. Yeah, so we see Gus the theater cat, um, and he's about to perform, like do his exposition to in his competition for the Jellicle Choice. Mm-hmm. Um, the beginning of this seemed very Mr. Cellophane for me. It did. The, I had that same exact feeling. Yeah. It's there it's isolated. It's which is emphasized by like the isolated like instruments and the backing. Like it the and they do this a lot with like the clarinet, where there's like maybe some like strings and percussion, but like the main ba- backing is just like some woodwind instrument. Yeah. Which makes you feel lonely. Yes. And also, I do kind of like how the overall theme of this song, or not necessarily the theme of the song, but like as he gets further into the song, it kind of becomes a these darned kids nowadays. Oh, you know? yeah. With their TikToks and their vines and their. <laughs> they are not proper. They're not, they're not theatrically and classically and they're trained. They're a horrible housing crisis. Yeah. They think entertainment is jumping through a hoop. These darn kids and their technology. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so boomer. Yeah. But also it's Ian McKellen, so like I love him. Yeah, it's very I, I thought it was very nostalgic sounding. It would also sounded very like uh Pixar, Randy Newman, you got a friend in me, but like minor but it wasn't in a minor key. Yeah. But it, just like that kind of familiarity. Yeah. And I definitely felt like it was very endearing to his character. Like it, mm-hmm. throughout the song, the longer it went on, the more I was just like, "Oh, Gus, like maybe you should be the Jellicle Choice. Like you yeah. do deserve a second life." Yeah, but then fiend of the fell, he um, goes off the stage, and we see McCavity kidnaps him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is also one of the times, one of the first times that we see Mistopheles doing like real magic so like during the song you see him trying to like do something because he obviously like really appreciates or like respects gus and like has a lot of appreciation for his craft and everything especially as um, an entertainer so, like, especially as an entertainer and so like during the song you see him like trying to do something and like at the end when he's like uh doing that final bit um you see him use this little wand and create like lightning and like thunder effects you know, while he's uh, singing the song, which I think is like really cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, McCavity takes Gus and then we get into Skimbleshanks, the railway cat, which I a love. cat, he's like, he's a cat with pants on. Finally, a cat with some decency, <laughs> which is a quote um, by Heinz Doofenshmirtz. Um, I really like how his, like, yeah, they're still singing, but I really like how his is like a tap performance. Oh, yeah. And he's actually quite good. Yeah. Uh, Stephen McFay, who's like, he's like often a production designer. And if people don't know what that responsibility is, it's like they're in charge of like the visual concept of like a film, TV show, 
whatever. So, like, does, they have, like, a certain style for, like, sets, locations, graphics, props, lighting, camera angles, costumes, things like that, is what yeah. a lot of his credits were for, like, for movies and a bunch of, like, short films. But he is really, really good. Yeah. I also really like how during this song, the scene transitions to um, a railway. Yeah. Because oh, he skimble shanks the railway And the cat. tapping was very, like, chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga. It was, like... Ch- yes. Yeah. Very um, mechanical is what this song during, was. During the scene where they transitioned to the railway yard, it was, like, the first time that it didn't feel like we were just on a play set. Like, it felt like yes. this is an actual scene of a movie. Yeah. I did think it was weird, the music for it. It was this, like, weird, like, synth harpsichord. Yeah, I can see that. And I... But, but to me, I it, it like kind it. of fit the song in a weird way. I don't know. I always... Okay, I kept on thinking the cats were about to go into, like, a stomp performance during this song. Like a step performance? Stomp. Like the musical. Oh, I forget that that's... Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're yeah, talking but about. But yeah, yes. step performance. Yeah. But they were like, I don't know. I, I feel like they were. that was always going to be the next step. And then they never do it. So, I don't know. I guess I was, like, waiting for more to happen in this song. Also, another cat. I don't understand why um, he wants another life. He seems to have it pretty good. Like, he seems to be very happy with the life he currently has. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, he's on the railway. Like, he's on the train to, again, maintain pests and all that type of stuff. Yeah, there was, like, mice in the trail car. And so, like, mice are definitely, like, children in this, which makes it even more wrong. It's so weird. It's so weird. Their faces are literally child faces. It's I don't like it. But, yeah, so then we get through Skimble Shanks, the railway cat. I and think he, one like, of the most they talented flying. cats so far. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he starts, like, flying up, spinning. I was like, oh, is he magic, too? But, no, he, like, no. just gets stolen by He McCavity. gets stolen by McCavity. And they're all just like, oh, like, that's weird. Anyway, on to the next cat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we see a cat descending from the ceiling on this golden crescent moon. And they're holding a bottle, cup, whatever. It kind of looks like a mixer. I don't know if it's meant to be, but it looks like... Um, I think so. Like a mixing cup thing a shaker. container. Shaker, yes, thank you. And it's bedazzled, and it says catnip on the yeah. side. So, um, um, this is uh, Taylor Swift um, yes. playing, uh, what's the cat's name? Uh, Bumbalina? Bumbalurna? I believe so. Uh, Bumbalina. I, I will say, I wasn't mad at her performance. I, actually I wasn't either. It. I thought she was pretty good. Um, and yeah. I will say... I okay, liked her kind of like sassiness. Th- which is the role, because this cat, from uh, the cat's lore, is... She's super into McCavity oh. and like Rum Tum Tiger Rum, is Tum, Rum Tum Tugger. Tugger, I think is like into her. So it's like she's like trying to be as independent as possible mm-hmm. kind of thing is like her thing. Um, she's totally loyal, devoted, and she's going to do what she's going to do. The song was very much Look What You Made Me Do. Um, yes. Which is, you know, her uh. song. What is your favorite Taylor Swift song. Uh, ooh, my favorite Taylor Swift song. So I really like Red. Mm-hmm. I also like Dress, if we're going, like, sort of newer Taylor Swift songs. If we're Any going Taylor Swift. old school. Any Taylor Swift. Which favorite? Teardrops on my guitar. Mine is our song. Our song? Oh my god. Because it's also, so listeners, it's also mine and Raven's song. We... It, it, it's we, our we, Taylor we, Swift we, song, because we have it, another song as well. Oh, yeah. What's that other song? Prince? 
Oh, kiss. yeah, kiss. That's Excuse right. Excuse you. Yeah, we have bits with a lot of these songs. Like if we're at like a party, <laughs> the song comes on. There's like for each of them, we do like certain like dances. Like we could be across the room, but we just like look at each other. <laughs> and we other. just like make eye contact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Campbell, I love you. <laughs> I'm pretty great. Correct. Um, I love you too. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but anyway, the song yeah, is so, with Cavity, the mystery cat. Um, so the beginning of it was very, it seemed very like Nintendo 64, like boss, villain, music introduction. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a specific boss in Paper Mario that has the same sound effects. Oh, the little, uh, the, like the jazz, like. And then it was like. Bum, bum. Yeah, is there's like yeah. a very specific part of it, and I was like, "Oh, this is Paper Mario, easy." Yes, <laughs> and it's to me, it's very villain, like it's very jazz villain, like yeah. that's never played for a good character, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, basically, in this scene, they're drugging everyone, literally drugging the entire crowd with Hell catnip. Yeah. And then, so she's saying about how McCavity is this it's like. Such- mysterious criminal broke every human law yes which is a lot which Which also includes murder (laughs) which concerns me i vehicular manslaughter is the first one i've thought of Mm -hmm. grand larceny (laughs) that's a good one that's a good that's a good law to break good crime Um, arson which actually i do believe that a cat would i do believe a cat would commit arson it's like that one meme it's my favorite meme on the internet by far and it was like uh, this, like, uh, there's like two pictures. One, it's like a fireman, like taking a cat out of the fire in like America <laughs> or something. It looks really, really about. scared and stuff. And then the other one's supposed to be in like Russia. And this fireman takes this cat out who is super like floofy, <laughs> very like Colonel Mustard vibe before a cat. Yes. And the caption was like, that's right, twas I that set the house ablaze. <laughs> um, and that's my favorite meme. So one of my favorite memes on the internet that also is cat related is it the heavy breathing one? one? <laughs> no. It's the one where the cat is standing up on top of the post and it's just like, I see no god up here other than me. <laughs> and it's like, that is every cat I've ever met. Yeah. And so we see another, we're going to move on because <laughs> people are going to think less of us. So we see uh, Griddlebone, who is like this cat, like with a beret, like a beret. Um, mm-hmm. Which makes him look incredibly McCav- pretentious and criminalistic. Yeah. It's like you, but a cat. Um, but it Bruce. was, do you disagree? No. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, um, and calls McCavity the Napoleon of crime, which is an important line that we'll get to later. Um, so we see McCavity comes down, takes off the coat. I think this he's too, me. he's too muscular. He's too, okay. He's also which too is the, brown. This is the only time you're going to hear me say this. Idris Elba is too muscular in this movie. I, I support that. Yeah. Also, it, it, like he doesn't look, he looks too human. Here's the thing that bothers me in, in conjunction with, yes, I'm being too muscular, I'm looking too, too human. This is also something that they also do with Gris, uh, Grisabella. And I'm kind of just convinced that for the black actors in this cast, they didn't know what color to make their coat. So they just made it like a dark brown. The problem with that is that, one, I've seen very few cats in my life that are just a pure dark brown. Yeah. Um, also... 
because they made them a dark brown, their coat is the same color as the actor's skin, which makes them just, like, for the first time in this movie, it just makes them look naked. So Idris Elba, this entire scene, to me, between him being too muscular and looking actually human as opposed to like a cat and his coat being literally the exact same shade as his skin he just looks naked and he looks like he's like a cover of like the book animorphs but like one of the midway points it it makes me deeply uncomfortable this entire scene and like every other cat like even for the cats that are portrayed with like white actors their coat is at least a slightly different color than their actual complexion and i was like you could have made them you could have made their coat black you could have made their coat tabby you could have done anything their calico so gray cats come in so many different colors and shades and hues (laughs) cgi is involved like I don't. You can do whatever you want. You made the decisions you did to make you everyone else look like this. <laughs> exactly. And it wouldn't be it. out of the realm of possibility that Jennifer Hudson was like uh, an orange tabby. Exactly. I just don't. I don't like it. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Pick number four. Okay. So, Ijisalva comes in, looks yeah. naked, makes us deeply uncomfortable. So then, at this point. McCavity has pretty much kidnapped like all of the major, uh, like all of the contestants really for the Jellicle choice. Minus Rum Tum Tugger. Minus Rum Tum Tugger, which to me says that like, he doesn't see Rum Tum Tugger as an actual competitor. Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem as a serious. Which fighter. I would agree with because it's like why yeah. why would he want to? And then we see Old Deuteronomy is like oh it's never going to be you. I judge yeah. a cat on like of its soul. And Taylor Swift is like, he's got soul. <laughs> and I was just like, girl. It's like stop. such like mean girl, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so when she refuses, like she's like, I will never, you will never be the Jellicle choice. Like, I refuse to pick you. Then he also kidnaps her and then takes her. We see like the scene transitions to the barge and we see him. He's gotten her there with all the other cat contestants that um we've seen him take so far as yeah. well as growl tiger so then he basically is making her like walk the plank and he has like growl tiger like pushing her like onto the plank and saying like if you don't choose me to be the jellical choice and like you will drown in the thames and like all this other stuff so then we go back to the egyptian and all the cats have now like now that they're gone the catnip is starting to like wear off mm-hmm. and they're like oh my god where is old Deuteronomy? Where did she go? We need her. What happened to her? And so then um, Victoria has the idea of like, oh, because they're all like, oh, like, there's no way we can just magic her back. And then Victoria's like, oh, well, Mistopheles can do magic. He's a magician. You know, maybe he can bring her back. And so then we get into the song, Mr. Mistopheles. Cross pause. Cross pause. So he doesn't think he can do it. Mistopheles doesn't think he can do it. Um, and so all the cat, all the cats are kind of trying to like hype him up, like saying like encourage him, like you can do this. And this so we see Monkish song trap. really reminds me of like it's like Cheshire Cat meets Oliver and Company. I can definitely see that. Is the vibe I, I got from it? I really, really liked this song. 
and the melody i wasn't sure if i'd heard this song before or if the just this melody has been incorporated into other songs before but the melody felt very familiar to me mm-hmm. when they get to like the chorus of it but yeah so we see him trying over and over again to bring her back and then like building up his confidence like using the chorus the chorus is always the precursor of one of his attempts um and i think it's really cute where, like he gets like the third attempt and he can't do it and yeah. then everyone's very dejected. Everyone's just like, oh, well, it's not going to happen. And then we see Victoria start singing the chorus again. It's very like 60s peace and love, holding hands in a chorus. Yes. It also is very, I don't know, very uh, kind of like Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which will be I another also, one we do. I also love how, um, so again, we said like his wand is a pencil. Mm-hmm. which is fairly it's like wand size compared to his body but also when during the song he pulls out like cards and like a die and i love how big they are compared to him oh, and yeah. it was funny because like that was that to me that actually was on scale where it's like if he were a standard I size like the... not eight or nine pound cat that to me is like eh, somewhat how large cards yeah like, i guess playing yeah. cards like a die would be yeah um, but I just thought it was very comical how large they were to him. Yeah. Yeah. So that at the end, in his final attempt, he does finally manage to get uh, Old Deuteronomy to come back. He, uh, re- I guess, summons her. I don't know what the word is for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and conjures. Con- yes, yes, yes. He conjures her up from the barge and everyone is rejoicing and singing and happy and dancing and everyone's celebrating him like oh my gosh like it's you're so great how do we ever like overlook you before and you see like he's definitely gotten so much confidence out of this and like he's just really it makes happy. things levitate trombones cards oh yeah flies. he's like shooting like flowers out of his sleeves and like doing all the standard magician stuff and then like actual magic as well yeah which i think is i just think it's really cute and so then we kind of shift back to the cats on the barge. And McCavity, oh. after Old Deuteronomy disappears, McCavity takes Bumbelina, Taylor Swift's character. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes her back with him. And he's just like, oh, like, I'm going to get the Jellicle Choice thing. And he goes back. Um, and so then we see the other cats on the barge are just left with Growl Tiger. Mm-hmm. And they manage Jenny to... Any takes yeah, off her skin she manages, again. She takes off her skin again and manages to shimmy her way out of her chains. Um, and then all of them free themselves and kind of like and push Gus Growl pushes off. Growl Tiger, uh, the fiend of the fell, which I thought was the fun. fiend of the fell, yes, because he fell, which is very punny. Yeah. Um, and so then we go back to the Egyptian and the street outside of the Egyptian, where Victoria once again sees Grizabella outside, and there's a short like memory reprise um, that she does. Uh, I would say this isn't a reprise. I feel like this is, like, memory, and the other was a prelude. I would say in a second, when she brings her back in and says, like, sing, that's actually memory. But this yes. little bit that she does before bringing her in is kind of just, like, I guess another prelude. Um, yeah, because it can't be a reprise if the main one didn't happen. That's, yeah, that's fair. This is, so this is, like, what really made me completely forget the atrocities of this film. I <laughs> I forgot I was watching Cats because I was just seeing... Jennifer Hudson singing, acting, performing, pain, regret, sorrow. And I felt it. You feel every second of it. And one of the things I really like about this, especially being that this is a 
not old, old, but like a fairly old story written by Andrew Lloyd Webber is that memory... I mean, 30 when years. It's, when it's fully performed by Jennifer Hudson is very operatic. Like oh, it's, yeah. It's oh, very, yeah. It's very much a song that I could see being performed in an opera. And this scene is perfect. So Victoria sees Grisabella on the street and she's like, you have to come in and sing. Like she's still picking who the Jellicle choice is gonna be. You have to come Man, in. This and is the only this is the only Jellicle choice song, like contestant, who's not singing like their name, like here's who I am. Yeah. Every other every other cat at this point is just like, oh here I am. I'm amazing. You should pick me. You know what I mean? Whereas And Jennifer song- Grisabella's like, this is how I feel. Yeah. She's not even necessarily vying to be the Jellicle choice. She's just saying, this is who and what I am, and you will take me or not take me. So this is when we hear memory in full, like the actual oh, song. Oh my god. And it... Uh, the, like, the I wouldn't say this that song... That we heard previously... Nothing compared. Nothing in comparison to the full song. It is beautiful. Honestly, a song that when I was listening to it, I was just like, this is a song that I I want to listen to completely outside of the context of this movie. Well, the context is bad. Yes. <laughs> listening to it, as soon as I heard it, I was just like, I'm so glad that this is a song I picked because it is without parallel. It is amazing it is beautiful it is operatic it is everything that you want out of a major musical theater peak like work yeah it is nothing else in this movie holds a candle to it no definitely not and so she sings that and then there's the beautiful ghost reprise and it's like i think it's victoria who's basically like oh i sang this before but this song it's about you fool you know yeah, and so then, and then we also see Judy Dench, um, old Deuteronomy, join in on the beautiful ghost reprise, again saying like, "Hey, yeah, like you are going to be the Jellicle choice, and you deserve this. Like yeah. you have lived a life that has brought you such pain and regret, and you deserve the chance to live that over because you have. But your soul is still good. Your soul is still good." And it and makes you are such a good person. Or and like, and so service. beautiful ghost is like all I ever wanted was to be wanted. So that made me think like, what Grisabella wanted was to be wanted by Macavity is what I thought. Yes, I, I had that same feeling. So then we see, Judy Dench, Old Deuteronomy tells her like, you are the Jellicle choice, and so she goes into what's the chandelier for this. Yeah theater that um, uh mr uh mr mistopheles just kind of magics into like a hot air balloon yeah. lights the ceremonial demonic candles like any good ritual <laughs> while they sacrifice this cat to the heavens <laughs> to the heavens or the heaviside layer that's what it's called shut your mouth <laughs> <laughs> oh so then we see her rising up through the ceiling of the theater and then into the clouds and off to also, the sun and all of them are singing and the saying, outside like, of the egyptian looks like it's a place that people still use the inside it it's abandoned mm-hmm. that's something correct. i just thought about that's weird yeah, no, no, you are 100% correct. So while it's, uh, while the chandelier and the hot air balloon, all that is like rising up towards the heavens, um, we see 
McCavity again kind of come out of nowhere and tries to like jump onto the rope to like kind of coattail it to the heavens so that he can also be reborn. He falls off. He can't hold on. All that stuff. A perfect villain ending. Yeah. But here's the thing that bothers me. He falls on the Nelson's column, which was built to commemorate um, Admiral Horatio Nelson, who like died in battle and stuff. But he was very much important British like officer in the Royal Navy, mm-hmm. whose tactics and victories were really important, especially during the Napoleonic Wars. Which I think is funny that they're like, he's the Napoleon Napoleon. of crime. Oh. Isn't Admiral Nelson like a type of like, like a brand of like whiskey or rum or something as well? Yeah, it's like Sailor Jerry's or like Captain Morgan. Admiral Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's bad. Just making sure. It is bad. Um, But anyway, yeah. So we see all of that. So he doesn't have powers anymore? I guess not. Is it? Because it's daytime? Because he tries, he tries, like, who knows? Who honestly Why are you trying to apply movie? logic to these cats having <laughs> magic, which is not explained whatsoever, <laughs> that he which can just, again, like, apparate into Hogsmeade? One of many things that bothers me about this movie, it has, like, three different endings. Just one of the things that bothers me deeply about a movie is if it has multiple endings like it can't decide what ending it wants so it just puts multiple of them in there this is one of the primary things that frustrated me about the batman versus superman movie is that it had five different endings never seen this it. movie this movie had three this movie had three different endings Lay so there's the ending there's the ending when grizabella is rising up towards the heavens in the hot air balloon and all the cats below are singing and they hold this one note this grand note as she's rising towards the heavens and like the herald trumpets are playing exactly and i immediately i expected it to immediately cut to the credits but then it didn't the camera panned back down to judy dench to old deuteronomy and then she starts singing the addressing of cats and i was like okay this Which is, is a kind weird of, song. It's a weird song, but also given that they have not explained yet the whole like naming of cats, like they have explained it, but they didn't talk about it again after that song. So this is like, okay, I can kind of understand like this story is culminating in this song, The Addressing of Cats. And then, so I was like, okay, cool. They are going to end it at The Addressing of Cats. But then they didn't. Then there's still afterwards that interaction between Old Deuteronomy and Victoria. And then like there's the kind of explicit reference to the romance that's beginning between Victoria and Mistof- Mr. Mistopheles. And it's just like there's three different endings to this entire movie. Yeah. And it bothers me deeply. Because I'm just like, you could have picked any one of them and they would have been fine on their own. But the fact that they happen sequentially, like each one, you expect it, like at the end of each scene, you expected it to then cut to the credits, but then they just kept going. And then yeah. the next ending came and you're like, oh cool, it's over. And then it just kept going. And it was just like, you what just is want, happening? Raven, I think what, why you bothered by it, you just wanted it to be over. I did you wanted want it to be, to be free from it. Let's talk about the second ending, though. The um, addressing of the cats. The addressing of cats. Because yeah. it's weird. It's like very like hymnal. Um, yes. Uh, and then Judy Dench is like, you've heard a bunch of cats. Um, you don't need an interpreter for character. Then I wrote down, uh, she's like, we are like you. And I wrote down, comma abominations 
and it's like how you should like treat cats you gotta Formally respect them and like yeah and don't and speak unless says, spoken to and literally says like oh like people think that cats don't like um being interacted with or don't like being addressed she's like no we just resent familiarity so like when you approach us like Which honestly bow so. and take off your hat but like honestly i i have a cat and i can say that that is this is the one song that i was just like more than anything else in this entire movie it actually does talk about how real cats in real life act because cats are superior as fuck like they are so imperial they are so i am royalty i am above you how dare you address me as a familiar and i'm just like i own you like i am your owner i feed you and scoop your poop every day like what do you mean (laughs) yeah and so yeah then there's like weird nuzzling again in like the third ending yeah don't and then and then we're free finally and then i will say and it's embarrassing i did save on my spotify the taylor swift cover of beautiful ghost I'm fine with that. I accept that. Okay. Um, I like it. The Taylor Swift cover or the yeah. movie? The Taylor Swift cover. <laughs> Raven. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, end of the movie. I still, I'm still going to talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber in oh, yeah. a second. What, what do you rate the movie out of 10? I think 5 out of 10? I would give it a 3. <laughs> Which I know, I know 5 out of 10 is high, but here's my thing. So, yes. Was it bad? Yes. Um, did I literally physically cringe at certain parts? Yes. Did I had to take me... a walk in the cold night air did to it cleanse me... myself. Did it make me deeply uncomfortable and actually feel despair for the first time in my life? Yes. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Damn. <laughs> I was entertained. I mean, like, I was entertained. After I got, I when watched, I got over how they looked, I was like, I was entertained. And that was my thing. And like, like the Jennifer yes, Hudson performance, still... I don't want to say it made it worth it, but... But it, it made it, it a little again, worth Again, very unpopular opinion. It's my favorite performance of her in anything. Which like, I don't, I don't feel, but I do understand and I support. And the fact and that like, you can understand that though, coming from this movie, does yes. say a lot does say a lot and that's that's my thing is like i think for me like the reason i give it as high as a five out of ten because that is high for this movie that's too high that's what i gave grease <laughs> i'm aware and to me what saves this movie is the sheer talent of the people that they employed for the musical oh, well the yeah. story the story and the depiction of the characters deeply disturbing problematic so many issues but you have Francesca Hayward, amazingly talented. Um, can't remember the names off the top of my head, but the individuals that portrayed like Monkestrap and mm-hmm. um, Mr. Uh, Mr. like all of them, incredibly talented. Mungo Jerry, um, Rumble Teaser, very talented. Judy Dench, on the same playing field as Julie Andrews and Angela Lansbury. Ian McKellen, who's an entire playing field of his own. Jennifer Hudson, Taylor Swift. I'll even include Jason Derulo, despite, again, not liking him. But it's like, to me, what saves this movie in any sense is the talent that went into it. Um, And so, like, all of the music is very well done. 
you know, oh, also Rebel Wilson and James Corden. I don't know why I omitted them, but the talent that goes into this is so, so amazing. And so like, because of that, I can still enjoy this movie like i can still be entertained by this movie but there are so many incredibly problematic things that i can't justify giving it above a five out of ten i can't justify i thought i was being generous with a three i also think i'm more generous with my ratings than you are oh yeah with these musicals definitely yeah anyway so yeah, so we've talked about this a little bit, but the original composition of this music of this musical and the story and everything was done by Andrew Lloyd Webber, who I personally love. Um, but to get into him a little bit, so he is an English composer and he is uh, what's called an impresario of musical theater, which is basically someone who organizes and produces like musical theater works, etc., etc. Um, so he himself has composed 21 musicals and two different film scores, among many other works that mm-hmm. he's done. Um, he's actually been appointed a Knight Bachelor for Services of the Arts, which is like, I'm not very familiar with uk and like british titles but this is like a position or rank that is granted by someone who's been like knighted by the monarch but not inducted as like a member of one of the organized orders of chivalry so he's not like Mm -hmm. a knight knight but he's like a knight bachelor which is like a kind of separate thing but similar yeah um if ever for some reason there were any british people listening to this podcast i'm very sorry if i got that wrong i doubt you will be listening to this but if you are Please forgive me, because I'm very American. Anyway, um, so yeah, so he's the Night Bachelor. Also, Angela Weber, unsurprisingly, has egotted. He has one um, Oscar, one Golden Globe, one Emmy, four Grammys, seven Tonys, eight Olivier Awards, and then 30 other awards from just various organizations what are, and sources. What are the EGOT Awards for? Just like one from each. So um, his Oscar is Best Original Song for You Must Love Me from Evita. Um, he also was nominated for Oscars for Best Original Song um, for Jesus Christ Superstar and then also Best Original Song Learn to Be Lonely for The Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. His Emmy was for Outstanding Variety Special for Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert. His Grammys, um, he has two for... One for Vita, one for Cats. Both are Best Cast Show Album. He has two other Grammys. One for Best Contemporary Composition for Requiem, which is one of his works. Mm-hmm. As well as a Grammy Legend Award. He also has, again, seven Tonys. Um, he has a Tony for Vita, two Tonys for Cats, a Tony for Phantom of the Opera, one for Sunset, or two for Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. and then a Lifetime Achievement in Theater as well. So that's pretty cool. Amazing overall. Uh, who's and your then, favorite uh, EGOT winner? Mine's Whoopi Goldberg. Mine is Tracy Jordan. <laughs> 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 um, so Andrew Lloyd Webber is also like many of the composers and musical orchestrators, etc., that we have covered during this podcast. He is amazing. And I love his work so much. I just wish that Cats wasn't included in his works. <laughs> At least not the 2019 version, because I I almost feel bad 
hating cats because it's by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, well, Raven, shall we finish our drinks and then play some music? Indeed we shall. Okay. Be back soon. Can we stop there? Yeah, let's do that. Because I got a lot of wrong notes. <laughs> so did I. Uh, well, I had more But wrong, we ended up like, at the same spot. We did. Because I was listening to you. Um, so I had, in the middle there, I had a few notes that, like, were not the right length. But I managed to, like, sh- I managed to make it work. So I still ended with the same place that you did. Um, but I definitely hit a few wrong notes. So, like, the note was physically in tune. But it was not the note that was supposed to be played. <laughs> So do you want to start at 11 and stopped at, stop at 18? Oh my gosh. I forget that this is like so few bars because it's 12, 8. Um, oh, so yes. 11 would be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So start at 11 and stop where? 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. And then I feel like we can skip ahead. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You want to count us off? Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three. actually really good i i flubbed a lot of notes it's like the bassoon equivalent of squeaking on the clarinet but that's fine okay but also i'm drunk and this is so this is one <laughs> of the first times i've ever understood this from the audience perspective but you know how they always say in band and orchestra how like oh like if you make a mistake just keep going because no oh, one I'm else really like, the audience won't notice so like so as a string player, so like so like I've never been on the receiving end of that. I've always been the one making the mistake and having to just push on. Honestly, I will say now I guess being the audience, granted I was playing my own music at the time, so I wasn't as much paying attention to you, but I was listening to you and like I couldn't point out a single time you made a mistake. Nice. Yeah. You sounded good, from my perspective at least. Uh, do you want to just play 34 to the end? Uh, th- let's do 35. Okay, yeah, yeah, Okay, so that'll be... I love the fact that, again, okay, so we've said before how Stephen Sondheim does not give a single fuck about time signatures or key signatures, but Andrew Lloyd Webber does, and I appreciate that because it makes his music so much easier to play. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so 35. Okay. To the end. To the end, yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3. I think that was okay. It was Like, fine. we were, we were more or less together. There was a couple parts, like, I got off of you, but then I got back on. And then we ended pseudo together. You know what? I'll call that a success in the grand scheme of things. Same. I I think of most of the pieces we've played throughout the course of this podcast. That was that was pretty decent. I think yeah. we did okay. Yeah. So, cats, we did it. The deed is done. <laughs> we done it. Congregation, we done it. Um. Yeah, Campbell. Uh, any final thoughts about? The atrocity that is Cats, the 2019 film version. Okay. Honestly, I think everyone should see it. 
because Misery likes company. Oh, or if anything, people just look up Jennifer Hudson memory. Yes. But I but feel also, like in the context of it makes it even better. Yeah, here's my thing, like, and this is my biggest gripe with this movie, is that it is, I think if you hold it up to any other film or musical standpoint, like, perspective, it does not hold up. Like, it is bad compared to almost any Are other... Are you movie. about to say there's going to be a perspective to have on it where it's good? No, no, no. no, no okay. No. I would never do that to you, Campbell. I would never disrespect you like that. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, like, this musical, when you hold it up to any other, like, Broadway musical, again, like, Chicago, even Phantom of the Opera, another Andrew Lloyd Webber work, so many other works, like, it's not good. But when you watch it, it's like, there is something that is overall entertaining about the story, about the movie, even though, like, there's not really a story. Um, and so, like, I think... I would encourage other people to watch it purely for the experience of watching it. Like, yes, there's parts of it that are incredibly cringy. There are parts of it that I wish my eyes did not have to see. But at the end of it, it's like, I'm not glad I watched it. But Have you seen a worse musical? No. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, bye, bye.